The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to another edition of NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I'm your host Corbin Forge. Follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Check out the fine folks of Hoop Ball on Twitter as well at Hoop Ball Tweets. Online Hoop-Ball.com, and definitely make sure to do that because this week has been huge for Hoop Ball. All of our 2020-2021 NBA season products are finally for sale. Everything you need to level up before the NBA season starts. From the fantasy's perspective, it's all out there. We have the draft guide. That's the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy, bottom line. Our guys went 400 players deep again this year, but that's not all. You also have the future access pass to the Brewski 150. That's the fantasy draft list that's been every other list for 10 straight years. That's a while. Count that. But while you're doing that, they also have the new monthly membership plan. So I'll keep this as short as I can. That's the fantasy pass. The Draft Guide, the Brewski 150, the all-new DFS Pass, and all of our in-season premium tools. The DFS Pass is also available on its own if you prefer that. But even if you're into some sports betting, we have the new Wager Pass for bettors who want those picks and analysis. And we have the Hoopball 360. That sucker has everything, plus even earlier access to that uh, top uh, 150 list. So make sure you get on board with that. How you can do that, hoop-ball.com. Or go on Twitter at Hoopball Fantasy right now. Check it out. Get some information. Level up. Let Hoopball be your guide. All right. And with that, we're going to keep moving on. We got some stuff today. I mean, honestly, in, in the amount of time it took me to share the great stuff we got at Hoopball, another trade might have already broken down. But joining me again to help me out is my good friend, SBC alum. SBC alum. I, I he, he was my predecessor, but uh, I joined him in the ranks. Uh, host of Duncan Dynasty, which I had the privilege of coasting with them, Mr. Garrett Bouguet. How are you, Garrett? I, I'm doing great. You know, this is the uh, the best time to be an NBA fan is is right about now. Dude, seriously. And what makes it even more exciting, I think, is the fact that the, the, the just sheer hysteria that's going to start tomorrow. Because you have the NBA draft coming tomorrow, and then right after that, free agency two days later and already you could consider uh with some of the deals that have been done free agency has kind of already started um at least the outright tampering has that everyone seems to be cool with but um yeah it, it's fun man this is gonna be a couple of days of just of just just fun and, and it's gonna spill into the next month which is gonna spill into the start of the season by the time christmas comes we're gonna have christmas basketball again it's gonna be crazy how fast it's all developed but here we are but uh, let's just get right to it garrett we had some big stuff happen um just before this draft, we're recording this on the 17th, uh, NBA Draft Eve, if you will. And we had our first big move. In fact, I saw it on Twitter today. Uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker are already shooting together, which you're going. Chris Paul and Devin Booker, of course you're going that because uh, you already know the Phoenix Suns have acquired Chris Paul in exchange for a package that includes Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, and a future first-round draft pick. And just to give you the entire rundown, Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen LeCue and a 2022 first-round pick are going to OKC in exchange for Chris Paul and Abdul Nader. Uh, if you remember, the Suns acquired Rubio from free agency last year. They also had re-signed Oubre last year, and they had uh, acquired Ty Jerome during the 2020 NBA draft and Jalen LeCue as an undrafted free agent age 18 the season before. So, Garrett, I dump all this on you. What was your immediate reaction, and what is your reaction now after kind of thinking about how this all works, Chris Paul to Phoenix? 
So my immediate reaction was that, uh, you know, Sam Presti is a genius. Uh, you know, he uh, he got two first round picks for uh, for acquiring Chris Paul and then uh, got an additional first round pick in the future from the Suns for offloading him. And then also with uh, with the acquisitions of, uh, of Rubio and Ubre, that also gives him some additional assets that he could potentially move for for more draft capital. But, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where I think uh, both sides stand to benefit because Phoenix now has this uh, legitimate all NBA point guard that uh, is is going to give this team stability that it hasn't had really since the Steve Nash days. Yeah, that's crazy. That's easily their best point guard since then. Someone who in the pick and roll is going to be amazing. We saw how he single-handedly, I don't think OKC was planning to make the playoffs last year, but just by sheer leadership and force of will, got OKC in, hitting clutch shots, uh, engineering comebacks. And now he's going with a team that, yes, went 8 0 in a bubble. And yeah, you know, it was a game winning shot and some selective resting there. But this team has now had a taste of some sustained um, success, however small and contained that was. And now you bring in a guy in Chris Paul who's been there, done that, hasn't missed the playoffs in 11 years. And I think that you're. You're looking at you're looking at a really uh, good opportunity for Phoenix to, to make some noise with a guy who even at 35 is still playing very well and and even better by the time that DeAndre Ayton and Mikael Bridges are up for extensions, uh, Chris Paul will be off the books. So it just kind of works out perfectly. Yeah, I mean the Suns just uh, shoot up the charts as far as my league pass rankings. They're going to be a team oh, yeah. I'm going to be watching pretty consistently. They're going to be a lot of fun. I think they're going to be much improved. They're going to be a playoff contender, or I should say, a contender to make the playoffs. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I I'm a believer that Chris Paul's still got at least another year or two of pretty elite basketball in him. Of course, he went to uh, I believe more of a a, a better diet. Uh, prior to his season with Oklahoma City, which I think has uh, has given him a, a, a new life. But, you know, I was I was listening to the uh, the Dunked On podcast, and one of the things they mentioned from Phoenix's perspective that maybe was uh, a bit of a mistake was that they completed this trade now as opposed to waiting to complete it after free agency, um, especially considering the Suns did not throw in their their tenth pick in this draft, it's a future pick. So uh, they they very easily could have waited till after the draft and and seen what the, maybe their 17 million in cap space could have gotten them prior to making this move. And now they're stuck um, essentially uh, trying to just retain some of their own personnel. Uh, so that is a potential missed opportunity, but. You know, acquiring Chris Paul certainly is a plus for uh, for the Suns. I'm with you there. I thought that was confusing. I thought that, you know, you would have wanted to at least make yourself available to put yourself in, in play for a Jeremy Grant or Janela Gallinari or something and just operate over the – you know, just do that in that way. I'm not sure why. Um, I guess they thought that they had enough internal answers with uh, Frank Kaminsky, Aaron Baines, and Dario Sarge. I tend to differ. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess I'm with you. I mean, the, the end result is getting – Chris Paul's immediate upgrade over Ricky Rubio. I do kind of feel bad for Ricky signing a free agency and then just being, you know, kind of off offloaded to a, a rebuilding team. But who knows? He may not be there very long. And also, I mean, Chris Paul is just better 
at doing what Ricky Rubio did. Ricky Rubio was like the first like return to an actual starting level point guard that the Suns had had since they had uh, lost Goran Dragic. But now you're basically upgrading from that to Chris Paul, which is crazy. Even at 35, you know, being older than Rubio, still being that much of an upgrade. Well, and I think one of the the underrated aspects of Chris Paul is because he's, and, and especially when you compare him to Rubio, because CP3 is such a good outside shooter that he's very comfortable and willing to play off the ball, and that makes him really a perfect fit with uh, with Devin Booker. Of course, Rubio has improved his three point shooting slightly, so he was uh, he was able to be off the ball in the half court more without being a, a huge liability. But Paul certainly is somebody that defenses don't want to leave behind the three-point line. Uh, and, and he can run a pick and roll really effectively, but then also be very comfortable allowing Devin Booker to continue his rise towards stardom. So I, I think it is a great fit. And, and of course, Paul also a very good uh, defensive pl- point guard as well. So it's a good fit. It'll be interesting to see what Phoenix does with their mid-level exception and also with the number 10 pick in the draft to uh, to continue to build around this roster. Because especially after, you know, doing a two-for-one trade, getting rid of two rotation pieces in Rubio and Oubre for Chris Paul, uh, they, they do need some some added depth to this roster now. Yeah, that's going to be what's going to be. That's going to be interesting to see how they kind of get there because, you do need that impact. I look at, I mean, their fourth rotation is good. You still want to get a guard to kind of come off that that isn't. You just let go of Ty Jerome. It depends how much you feel about how good you feel about Cameron Payne. But you're still looking for someone to kind of relieve uh, Chris Paul, even if he's going to play the majority of the game. Still someone that you want to look at and and have someone to kind of help him out after, after all the guy is 35. So you want to have someone that is another point guard, whether that's someone you get in the draft for that 10th pick whether Killian Hayes does slip that far and and you get someone like that. You know, me and uh, Garrett, uh, just shameless plug, he already talked about uh, our favorite draft guys uh, on the latest episode of Duncan Dynasty, which you should be able to hear at around the time you hear this. So stay tuned for that. Check that out. But in terms of that, if you get a guy like that for Phoenix, that's great. I'm not super high on what you can get from free agency. And with the moves you already made, that is probably no longer even a a obtainable uh, chance for you there. So it will be interesting to see how they kind of supplement their bench, which was a big key to their success uh, during the bubble. Yeah, I mean, just speaking of, uh, because I'm yeah now familiar with a lot of those draft guys doing prep for that episode, uh, the the guys that on are on my radar for Phoenix would be a guy like Devin Vassell, uh, mm-hmm. also Aaron Nesmith, forward from Vanderbilt, a really good shooter. Um, you know, when you've got uh, shot creators, playmakers like Chris Paul and uh, Devin Booker, the more shooting around them, the better. So uh, Nesmith might be a decent pick as well. But they could go in a lot of areas. Yeah, you could draft a, a Kyra Lewis as a backup point guard now. Uh, if um, you know, uh, if if you you don't feel as confident about the uh, the lefty from the bubble uh, that they they had. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, they could go a lot of different directions. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they could improve the wing. They could improve the, the backup guard position. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, just getting de- some more defense, some more shooting on this roster would benefit them. And, and yeah, like they, they legitimately have a shot at making the playoffs now. So what they do with the rest of this offseason is going to be critical. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you want to seal the deal. Um, 
you made a great first move. Don't do what Phoenix has done before, which is from then go, okay, great. We did that. Now we can rest on our laurels because it's not, I mean, as is, Chris Paul's addition alone puts you in playoff contention. You know, now you're actually fighting for a spot. You're on the outside looking in. Maybe if things broke right for you, you could get in. Now it's like, okay, if things go wrong, you can't get in. But for the most part, I do feel like that takes OKC out entirely and opens a wide open lane for Phoenix to slide right in. But you do want to make sure that you hit the other moves between the margins to really help you move forward. Um, but with that being said, what do you think about the Thunder at this point? Uh, acquiring uh, these picks, you already mentioned Sam Presti doing a good job and definitely uh, how he's recovered so well from moving on from first Paul George and then Russell Westbrook and, and now Chris Paul and just reaping better assets in the process. But now you bring in um, intriguing youngsters in Jalen McHugh and, and Ty Jerome. Um, you got a, a, another guy in Kelly Oubre who's only 24, and then a vet at, at Ricky Rubio who's 30, but, you know, still pretty decent and productive. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they feel about Kelly Oubre in particular because, as you said, he's still he's still very young, still improving, a guy that you could theoretically see as a part of the next uh, of the next Thunder team, but that also will depend on how much he demands uh, come free agency in 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Presti could go either way. He could say, you know, he's he's not good enough for me to to be confident that he's a part of our next core. So maybe I'll just move him again and try to get more assets. Or you could see them go the other route and say, well, we're we're trying to acquire young talent, and he is young and talented, so maybe hold on to him and and see if we can get him on a decent contract in the in next off season. So that'll be fascinating. But but yeah, they they continue to despite offloading stars and and getting assets, they continue to get decent players in return. You know, Ricky Rubio is a solid NBA point guard. So it's one of those things where obviously Presti wants to shift into rebuilding mode, and that's why he's offloaded, uh, an, I assume, a, a trade we'll talk about in a bit with Dennis Schroeder. Uh, and then now Chris Paul, and it's mm-hmm. likely that uh, Gallinari's going to go. But uh, he wants to get uh, his own pick high up in the lottery for future years. So um, it'll be fascinating to see what he continues to do. I, I imagine the Thunder are going to be remain busy throughout this offseason. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, you gave a great transition. I'm going to just steal that and run with it. Let's talk about a move they made just before this that, you know, is, is official now, I presume, but wasn't at the time. It was pretty much all agreed to, whatever the case may be. Um, Dennis Schroeder, uh, who had a breakout season for the Thunder last year uh, at 27, is headed to the Los Angeles Lakers in exchange for the 28th pick and Danny Green. Um, Dennis Schroeder was a uh, point guard that was definitely sought after in this trade market um and now you know you have a lakers team that could have lost and still can lose both uh avery bradley and rajon rondo it does seem like they intend to fully go after contavious caldwell pope so that'll be something that hopefully they can uh can can close out on that end but what do you think about Schroeder going over to the lakers first off and then uh, i guess we can go and look at okc side again well, yeah, the, the Lakers getting Schroeder seems to be a sign that they don't expect Rondo to return because that's yeah. going to be a similar role uh, where Schroeder likely will will uh, will come off the bench and provide that uh, additional playmaking when LeBron's not out there and then occasionally when LeBron is just to give him a rest even on the court. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think Schroeder is going to provide even more value to the Lakers in the regular season than Rondo did, but 
you know, uh, is uh, playoff Dennis Schroeder better than playoff Rondo? I, I, uh, I don't know about that. Uh, you know, as, if you talk about Schroeder's performance in these past playoffs in that uh, Thunder series versus the Rockets, he was very inconsistent. He had a couple of great games in the middle of that series. I believe it was games three and four. But other than that, was uh, was pretty mediocre. Uh, so, so he's a guy that, uh, it's a question mark whether he makes the Lakers better, but, uh, especially if Rondo is leaving, he, uh, he at least fills a hole, but then in the process, the Lakers created another hole now because they, they now need a wing with the departure of Danny Green. And, uh, there have been rumors that they're interested in Wes Matthews to fill that spot. Which is interesting. I mean, Danny Green was banged up. Uh, I think I saw a stat that basically over the playoffs, um, LeBron had created over 46 uh, wide open three pointers for him, you know, where he just nobody was in six feet of him and he made 13 of those. So it wasn't like he was uh, we all know he was streaky. We all know how he did in that game five uh, did not miss. I don't even think should be held against him. That was a tough closeout. I mean, it was just that was that's the missed shot that happens. But Danny Green missed a lot of shots. And unfortunately, at 33. You know, I I feel bad just because he was banged up, but he was slipping just a little bit as he has as a defender. And I guess the Lakers are assuming, okay, if we get a guard to take up, if we look at who what we have, we need wing help and we need a backup uh, offensive initiator to lighten the load on LeBron and to serve as like an innings eater um, during the regular season, uh, especially if we lose Rondo. Then they're thinking, okay, we grab uh, Dennis Schroeder, that's fine, and if we trade Danny Green, that's okay because we can get. 80% of Danny Green back and a guy like Wes Matthews who played really good defense this year, you know, was very solid on, on Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. Um, I don't know if you're looking at that long term, he's even older than Danny Green is. Um, and his three-point shooting, I mean, Danny Green's, he's no slouch. Wes Matthews, no slouch. Danny Green's kind of, hit, the threat of him shooting is enough to open up that type of um, tear from a defense that at least helped create that spacing even when you didn't get the payoff of Danny Green knocking down the shot. So I think that that is different. But, yeah, from the Lakers' perspective, I would agree with you, Gary. It does seem like the Lakers prioritized this first and foremost and realized that, okay, with Wesley Matthews being available and at least some wink-wink agreement, I think, on on both sides to to get him in there, that um, we can afford to lose Danny Green and take back, you know, uh, more than half of that back in uh, Wes Matthews. Well, and, you know, just uh, getting a little younger, I think, was imperative for the Lakers as well. You talk about Mm. the the core of their team, especially as LeBron continues to age. Uh, You know, you you need some other guys around Anthony Davis that, uh, you know, when you're when you're talking about the the Lakers team of the future. So Schroeder does uh, does give them another young talent that they expect to be able to re-sign and uh, be a part of this team moving forward. So now you've at least got. Uh, Davis, Kuzma, and uh, and Schroeder as a kind of a, a small young core, uh, but uh, that that's something too that uh, can't be understated is that uh, if the Lakers in these moves can continue to get a little younger as well, I imagine that's something that uh, uh, that the, the front office is, is interested in doing and is probably a necessity, especially if you're talking about them competing in in two two or three years time. Yeah, that's obviously what they're looking to do to maintain, um, you know, that they're, they're, they're not want to say rain. They just got there, but maintain the kind of order up in the Western Conference that they've had so far. So you're right. Going younger, 
um, you know, showing up some of their weak spots, supplementing some other spots. We'll see kind of how they continue to do that this offseason. But that's a first uh, promising move, bringing the guy like Dennis Schroeder, who's proven to play off ball, you know, playing with another ball-dominant guard in, in Chris Paul in, in a more egalitarian offense, someone who shot the three really well, can definitely get into his mid-range, provides a little more offensive versatility as far as scoring the ball than Rondo. Obviously, you're giving some up on the playmaking side, and you're definitely giving some on the defensive side. Um, but that is also in, 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 in it, when in taking into account the fact that um, you're giving up a lot on the defensive side when Rondo's engaged. So during the regular season, that might not mean a whole lot. In the playoffs, maybe we'll mean more. We'll have to kind of wait and see for that. But, yeah, I, I'm very solid on that trade as well. And we'll have to see kind of how the Lakers keep doing it. They got to keep uh, their players happy. And, uh, you know, lame transition incoming. But key, speaking of keeping players happy, um, let's go over to Milwaukee, who uh, – made some moves to keep their guy happy and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, the first big one they did, I mean, this all happened within like an hour. Um, Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and a few future draft picks were sent out in exchange for Drew Holiday from the New Orleans Pelicans. So the actual deal is one of them was uh, Milwaukee's number 24. Um, and since the Bucks owe, uh, they owe a top 10 protected to the Cavs in 2022, so they couldn't trade first-round picks in back-to-back years. Um, the earliest first-rounders they could send to the Pelicans are their picks via the Pacers in 2020, 2024, and 2026. But uh, basically, New Orleans gets the 2021st from Indiana. They get the right to swap in 2024 and 2026, and they get the 2025 and 2027 first unprotected. Uh, so they got a haul. They got a haul, and, and as well as some decent uh, vets in uh, Eric Bledsoe and George Hill, who they may, may either choose to keep or I think would be better offload for additional pieces because you got guys waiting in the wings who can take on bigger roles like Nikhil Alexander-Walker uh, uh, for starters and Josh Hart as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a crazy amount of, uh, of draft assets that David Griffin was able to to pry from Milwaukee. And, mm-hmm. you know, just in terms of now, I know in the in the Anthony Davis trade, they also got Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart. And, and certainly, especially Brandon Ingram has turned into a, a star player in his own right. So that was additional uh, value that they got in that trade. But just in in pure draft compensation, this holiday deal is pretty similar to that Davis package, which is which is pretty crazy given that uh, Drew Holiday has, uh, I think he's made one all-star team in his NBA career, and, and I'm a lot higher on Holiday than most. I think he's a, a top 20 or right around a top 20 player in the league, but uh, that sort of package for that level of player is quite intense. Um, but, uh, you know, also you, you mentioned that uh, Milwaukee had a 2022 top 10 protected pick that they owed to Cleveland. They actually yeah. then called Cleveland and made that pick unprotected. And Cleveland, uh, realizing that Milwaukee needed to do that to make this trade work, said, well, we need we need additional assets. So they got an additional second round pick from the Bucks. Wow. So that Milwaukee could take off the protections of the Cavs' owned pick, so it's like <laughs> the Cavs benefit and get a get and get an additional pick for it. So Milwaukee gave up a ton of draft capital to get this done, but uh, you know it's all worth it if Giannis signs the uh, the the max contract extension. I was gonna say yeah. At first, for me, I'm like I like Drew Holiday, like I really do, but the guy. 
you know, he's 30. He's not going to get any better. Is he going to be able to maintain the level of play he is? Maybe. And then also, are you getting a guy who, at the end, crunch time, will, will be like, okay, you know what, go get us a bucket. You know what I mean? In any way more so than Bledsoe and George Hill did. And, and the answer to that is an obvious yes. But I don't know if it's enough to move the needle, at least in my opinion. Um, but with that being said, Drew Holiday is a guy who defensively will, will be stout. Offensively gives him another dynamic. Um, and, yeah, you said it. The, the, the priority was to make Giannis happy. You want him to sign the Supermax. You don't have to spend the rest of the year trying to figure out where he goes, what he does, and if he declines, what you do. Um, if you're Giannis, I don't even know what, what, where you're going um, in, that, in that vein. So it, it's interesting. You had to do this because with Giannis, those picks won't even mean anything anyway. Um, as we all know, they'll be in like the back half of the lottery for the next like five or six years. It'd be six around. Um, and we'll have to kind of see if these moves did it because they also followed that up with another one, um, sending a Bogdan Bogdanovich to or, or getting Bogdan Bogdanovich in exchange for Dante DiVincenzo, Ursan Ilyasova, and DJ Wilson. And what will ultimately become a sign in trade that will also send Justin James alongside Bogdanovich to uh, Milwaukee. And so, Bogdanovich averaged uh, 15 points a game on 37% from three. He also had 3.4 uh, rebounds and 3.4 assists. Um, and he's someone that I think it, it, it was going to be pretty solid. He had turned down a $51 million extension before the season with Sacramento uh, and made himself available here for Milwaukee. And then for the Kings, they get a guy in DiVincenzo who is a young player, can't really shoot too well, but defensively he's active. Uh, does a little bit of everything, nine points, four rebounds, two assists, a steal in 23 minutes a night. And the AI, DJ Wilson as well. Um, and uh, Ersan de Silva is probably going to be waived, but hey, you know, another vet who can provide some shooting in a pinch. So, I mean, from Milwaukee's end, you're getting another guy. Their bench, I mean, their starting five is going to be loaded when you look at Drew Holiday, Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, Chris Middleton, uh, Giannis and Brooke Lopez. I do worry about how they're going to fill those minimum spots off the bench, but like they have enough right there to be another great regular season team again. Yeah, I mean, to be frank, I think that's the best starting five in basketball. Um, the uh, the the combination of Holiday and Bogdanovich, I also think, is pretty important in terms of their skill sets. You know, Holiday, and, and in essence, with the starting lineup, you have replaced Bledsoe with uh, Holiday and then DiVincenzo with Bogdanovich. And, uh, you know, Holiday, hopefully for them, provides just as much defensive quality, if not a little bit more than Bledsoe did for them, but then also isn't this huge offensive liability like uh, Bledsoe was for them the past couple of years in the playoffs. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Holiday is a, is a better shooter, more competent shooter than Bledsoe. Uh, so I think he's going to be better off the ball than, than Bledsoe was. But then Bogdanovich also sort of gives them what they lost when they uh, they didn't re-sign uh, Malcolm Brogdon, right? And uh, that, that guy that can be a secondary playmaker, can be a, a spot-up shooter, and then also attack off the catch. Uh, Bogdanovich, a really talented offensive guy, and, and not a bad defender in his own right either. So the combination of those two guys and their skill set, I think, works really well. Now you've got uh, three guys in, in Middleton, Holiday, and Bogdanovich that can run pick and rolls with Giannis as the screener, which I think they, they need to do a lot more of come postseason instead of just doing that this thing where Giannis is uh, dribbling at the top of the key with the floor spaced over and over again. They need to vary up their offense. Now they actually have the personnel to do that. Uh, and it comes down to uh, Coach Budenholzer to to make it all work. 
Yeah, which I don't have the biggest faith in him after what we've seen the last couple of years in terms of adjustments because you change the personnel on the fly. You got a lot mixed up, but you did not change the coach. And Coach Bud is a good coach in, you know, in certain respects, but he's also a dogged in other ways, both uh, good and bad. But, um, but yeah, I, I think this is definitely going to be an interesting uh, play for how they're going to come out. Um, I'm high on uh, the Bucks right now in terms of having maybe a more balanced roster, at least with guys who will take the clutch shot. Um, you had a, a lot of times that, uh, let's just be real, uh, Hill and uh, Bledsoe look timid, and Bledsoe look straight awful in moments. And I think now you've upgraded in two positions that they'll be able to kind of diversify, like you're mentioning, um, Giannis, or at least give you the potential to do so. So it remains to be seen uh, whether or not that happens. But um, we're going to go from then on to Houston. Uh, Houston's made some um, Houston's made some noise. Let's go. I mean, first off, you had Russell Westbrook, uh, apparently uh, request a trade from Houston. Then you had James Harden, who was committed to the franchise. All of a sudden, he's not so committed. All of a sudden, he turns out a massive extension from the he seems to be heck bent on pushing a trade to the Brooklyn Nets. And then in the meantime, between time Hinn and all that, the Rockets sent Robert Covington to the Blazers in exchange for Trevor Ariza for the third time and two first round picks. So um, let's kind of talk about this real quick. Uh, what do you think about this move and the Rockets in general? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, they're the, the soap opera of the NBA offseason. Uh, mm-hmm. at, uh, you know, the, the trade of getting rid of, of Covington and replacing him with Ariza. Of course, Ariza is familiar with the Rockets system, so it should be a smooth transition. But Ariza is not near the player at this stage of his career that, uh, that Covington is. So it's definitely a downgrade. And you talk about guys like Westbrook and Harden already suggesting that they want out. Uh, hurting the supporting cast around them is certainly not going to change that for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the Rockets seem to be in turmoil. They seem to be, uh, you know, at a stage where maybe they're they're recognizing that, uh, you know, the, the team is not in contention anymore at the highest of levels. So we might as well offload and, and get some picks back, which, uh, you know, they – are sorely lacking in draft assets after uh, after the Westbrook trade, of course, and uh, some other deals that they've done. Of course, uh, Daryl Morey uh, is known for not really valuing those uh, draft assets when he's in win-now mode. He, mm-hmm. he is uh, consistently traded. I think at one point um, for that 2018 Houston team, Clint Capella might have been the only player on the roster that he actually drafted. Um but, uh, you know, so, so they are sorely lacking in draft assets. And, yeah, they, they just made a downgrade with this trade, although um, they got a couple of draft picks back. But, yeah, it's, it's not looking promising in Houston. And it seems like their they're asking price for James Harden might be a, a, bit, uh, a bit too much for any team to possibly fulfill. Yeah, I think it's a little crazy what they're looking for. They're obviously unrealistic in the fact that you're not going to get what you think you will for Harden. Yes, is he is he is he a top five player in the NBA? Yes, is he someone that you go to your league, you go to your team, your immediate playoff contender? Yes, but like if you look at where you stand right now, and this for 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 other players, you're not going to get a top five for a top five. That's not going to happen. You know what I mean? That's the same reason why you're not getting any traction with Brooklyn, because they're not going to get rid of Kyrie and Kevin Durant, period. Much less the fact they haven't played a game together. But that's just not going to happen. Um, and, and you looking for a top young guy, I mean, 
go down the list. Uh, who do you think they would trade Harden for straight up? There, there isn't anyone. The ones that would, you know, you bring it hard to a team where you're given more out to bring him in than you have to do anything with once you get him. So I, I just don't see it. Westbrook's market, I, I as a Russell Westbrook apologist, I apologize, but it's basically non-existent. Um, and so I, I think your best bet is maybe trying to pull them together in a massive deal for some stuff. I don't even know how you do that. Um, and make Westbrook the tax for uh, Harden, and then hope you get some stuff back that's intriguing enough, and first make the money match, because that's just outlandish, and then hope that uh, you did good there. But Houston seems to be, uh, I mean, they've already seemed to be kind of delusional in what they've been doing in terms of uh, trying to duck under luxury tax. Oh, they're not ducking. Oh, this, oh, that. I mean, who knows what they're up to at this point anymore. So it, it's it's all bad. Um, I think uh, acquiring Ariza, I don't know. Like, I guess you could say it's one of two things. You either got yourself back in the, in the draft by by bringing in, um, by letting out one of your guys who was, you know, pretty good for y'all um, in limited minutes, you know, being able to kind of come in and, and, and still have some value. You bring in a guy in Ariza who doesn't do anything but make the money work, or you can delude yourself into thinking, hey, Harden, we brought your own game back together. We're going to do the same thing with the older, you know, less uh, versatile defender. I, I just don't get it. Yeah, I mean, the... Uh... The thing with the Westbrook trade is, yeah, you know, even though he's requested the trade, I don't think Houston wants to give out assets to offload him. Um, so, exactly. you know, I, I've heard even uh, rumors of uh, a potential Westbrook for John Wall swap, where you swap the two worst contracts in the entire NBA mm-hmm. for each other. And for the Rockets, the benefit there, I guess, would be that uh, you get a disgruntled star and you get a guy that maybe will be happy being there. Uh, but at the same time, I think when I heard that, the, the Rockets are, are looking for the Wizards to send them assets. And if you're Washington, why would you do that? You know, it's not like Westbrook, uh, as an upgrade over Wall, takes you to championship level or or takes you up really any tiers, to be honest, yeah. uh, in the in the Eastern Conference hierarchy. So, yeah, why would you why would you bother doing that, especially given that both contracts are so toxic? Yeah, I just feel like. Um... I, I don't know. I feel like you, that move is, is the definition of a lateral move. Yeah. Um, and you're not can getting anything back. The, uh, can we talk about the Portland side of, uh, of Yeah, that I was deal? about to. Yes. What, what are you thinking about that? I was about to ask you how you think Covington fits in on a kind of switch-heavy uh, uh, strategy or a possible switch-heavy strategy. Well, you know, Portland likes to go. Terry Stotts typically or likes not to possible, go with the. Uh, yeah, likes to go with that drop-back scheme. My uh, fault. So. I meant coming from a switch-heavy style. My, oh, my right, right. Um, I think Covington is a perfect fit with Portland. Uh, you know, Portland's big weakness last season, they had good, uh, you know, play from, from Nurkic in the bubble. And, of course, they've got these great guards in, in Lillard and McCoy. Gary Trent Jr., another really talented guard. The the challenge that Trent Jr. suffered in the bubble was that uh, because Portland lacked quality wing defenders, especially since Ariza didn't show up in the bubble, is he had to defend threes. You know, in that series against the Lakers, Trent Jr. guarded LeBron. Um, so Covington now, even though he isn't an ideal one-on-one defender, he's a great team defender, and he certainly is an upgrade defending the likes of, of LeBron James over Gary Trent Jr. And it also puts Trent Jr. back in his natural position defending twos. So, uh, you know, that was the biggest weakness that Portland and, and GM Neil O'Shea had to address this offseason was the wing position. And uh, they already got a, a really good role player at that spot. 
and uh, you know maybe they can continue to add to that as this offseason goes on. A couple of first round picks, uh, you know, is is a lot for a role player, but at the same time, you know, with with Lillard and McCollum uh, starting to age a little bit, this team is kind of in win now mode. So so I don't mind it as much. I think this takes them up another level. Uh, you know, they made the eighth seed just barely last season. I could see them being more middle of the pack this year with with Covington, especially if they continue to improve on the fringes. Yeah, I do like it. I mean, for now, you have some order again, that starting lineup um, for one alongside. Uh, you could put what Covington at the four. I like that alignment a little better on uh, helping on Nurkic and then bringing Zach Collins out. Yeah, I, I think this is um, I, I think it's a good move for them. I think it helps them kind of solidify something. If they bring by Melo, you have a guy off the bench. I mean, there's some more order now. You have some defensive, like you mentioned, who is the one thing that Portland missed. I mean, among many things, you know, some of their key players for most of the year. But in general, like a gaping hole, especially, like you said, in the playoffs against LeBron, where you know what happened. We saw, you already mentioned it. Gary Trent was kind of having to stick him. And that was just a mouse in the house all day. And, and Gary brought the fight, but... uh fight wasn't enough and, and now you have someone who can at least do a better job mind you it wasn't like Covington did that much better but like in terms of having someone who can deploy on those guys deploy on a Kawhi you know on a Paul George on a LeBron on these these wing threats that are all over the NBA and so yeah I like that for Portland in general I think that that was a move they need to make if they're going to kind of keep their core together which they are I don't see them moving them for I don't even know when um it, it was just a smart move a smart move that took advantage of an opening that Houston had um, they gave away a pick that wasn't going to help them anyway because they have a lot of young guys coming off the bench that are, you know, in different areas of immediate help. Um, and now you get someone who will definitely upgrade uh, your personnel. Yeah. And again, one of those picks being the 16th pick in a weak draft, uh, you know, uh, 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 again, especially considering that they're more in let's let's win now sort of uh, of a mindset. Yeah. I don't think the 16th pick is going to help them this season. Covington certainly will. And uh, yeah, his versatility to, to play the four, be a secondary rim protector and make plays defensively. We saw it in the playoffs. He had some really impressive uh, blocked shots in that, uh, in that thunder series. So, uh, and then also, you know, if, 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 uh, if Zach Collins takes the leap that uh, I think Portland fans have been hoping for, for the last couple of years, uh, and and becomes a solid four. You can play Covington in kind of a, a, a super big lineup at the three, and he provides enough shooting at that position as well. So, yeah, it gives them some versatility, gives them some much-needed talent at the wing spot. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a stepping stone for sure that, uh, that you know, and, and you just talk about a top four uh, or even a top five of Lillard, McCollum, Trent Jr., Covington and Nurkic like that's a pretty good top five to have in your roster it's now just building out those six to ten spots and and making the team uh, that much better yep building around the margins just like we talked about four and how they're gonna continue to form the team around this move that they made so yeah I'm right there with you all right Garrett um NBA draft coming tomorrow anything you're excited about I mean I'll, I'll, I'll throw out some trades I'm not throwing out trades literally I'm just excited about trades that may go down. But what are you most looking forward to in the draft? I mean, my favorite thing is the terrible comparisons that uh, the ESPN oh, draft boy. guys come up with. Yes. <laughs> Where's Jalen Rose right now? I, I want to compare Anthony Edwards to uh, a, a smaller Kobe Bryant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that that's something. I think there's just some, some good humor to be found in the draft. But, uh, you know, Given that it takes a few years for us to even find out which of these draft picks are going to end up being 
productive players. I, I actually, my favorite part of the draft is the trade aspect and seeing real guys that we know uh, their particular value getting traded uh, on draft night for for picks and, and whatnot. So that's what I'm excited about. And again, we've already We've already been discussing a lot of trades that have happened in a very short period of time. I'm just uh, I'm just excited for more. Oh, yeah, same, man. I cannot wait. It's going to be really exciting to kind of see how this goes down in just under, what, 12, 14? No, it's going to be like, oh, oh. I'm not even going to put the time. In less than a day at this point, um, we're going to have a lot breaking down, and it's going to be a lot of fun to cover. And uh, just now I'm going to be ringing your line, Garrett, to, to be like, what in the world? Like, I cannot wait. But, um. That'll do it for a short episode of NBA Today. Um, me and Gary usually go deep. I wanted to kind of keep it real quick, have him on, talk about some of these moves, get our perspective. And I think I think we did a pretty good job of that, Garrett. Yes. Uh, you know, there was, uh, there was some some big trades to talk about. We got to even some some of the smaller stuff with uh, um, with with Cleveland's uh, moves, with, uh, with Milwaukee. Uh, there was a Bruce Brown trade that I don't think we need oh, to get into. He's yes. not changing the world, but, uh, but yeah, not a we covered things well. Oh, yes, always, man. And I thank you again for coming on. Um, in fact, real quick, uh, follow this guy, at Gary Bouguet on Twitter, host of Duncan Dynasty. Uh, Gary and I literally just finished uh, a pod just before this one, um, talking about our top ten players um, in the draft, and not a mock draft, but like a big board. And I'm telling you, like, it was a lot of fun, really different perspective on it, had a lot of different changes kind of going down the wire. And I think it's a really good look into how you can view players and what you may think of these guys so far out. So definitely make sure to check that out. But Garrett, do you have anything else to plug? Uh, no, I think I'm good. I just, uh, again, thanks for thanks for having me on as always. It was a blast. Oh, man, always, bro. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, you always know where to find me because I'll keep telling you, at CorbinNBA on Twitter. Make sure to check out hoopballhoop-ball.com on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. Make sure to get those 2020-2021 NBA season products. Again, got the draft guide, the Brewski 150, the DFS pass, and all the premium tools. You can find that hoop-ball.com or at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter. Until then, got Garrett staying frosty, got myself staying frosty. Y'all stay frosty, and I'll talk to y'all real soon. All right, y'all.